Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Hello and welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It is February 14th, 2023. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Have this I told is, you I love you today, Eric? You have not. It's a little weird that you chose today to do that, too. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think our Patreon should be lovely today. Our lovely Patreons. I think that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 184. I am Eric Peterson, and with me is Brad Wood, who evidently has told me he loves me. You heard I'm it sure here. Purely platonic way. <laughs> In the season of Valentine's Day. <laughs> you know who else we love? We love our sponsor, Order Solutions. The makers nice of all your favorite boxes out there. You can say thanks and give back by liking and subscribing to these videos on YouTube. Starring our repos on GitHub. Subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Coming over to CFCast and signing up for an account, free or paid. We got lots of cool content coming up on that too, which we'll cover later. Buying something special from the Box Life store for that special someone in your life. Or one of Ordis's mini books like 102 Cold Box Quick Tips and Tricks. Or Learn Modern Cold Fusion in 100 Minutes. Or you can get a tattoo with our name on it. That's also valid. It is. <laughs> with In a heart. In the spirit of Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> little Ordis Solutions logo with a little heart around it and a arrow through it could you do the ortis swirl as a heart uh, i'm sure you can do anything if you're good enough at photoshop <laughs> ortis design team i want the ortis swirl as a heart thank you <laughs> coming soon to the box life store <laughs> so our uh, our lovely patreon supporters uh have already we have 42 of them by the way which is the correct answer um they are providing 100 of the funding for our modernizer die podcast uh which is pretty cool Patreon site is www.patreon.com slash Solutions. And our second goal that we are working on, uh, we are 37% of the way to fully funding the hosting of Forgebox. Woo. You know, it's crazy to think about how much I use Forgebox every day. I wonder if people <laughs> do that in their in other languages. Like, do people that are no developers think, well, I download gigabytes of packages a day and I don't even think about it. So... That would that would be an interesting stat line in command box is like tracking. Well, I guess you could just look at the size of your artifacts folder, I suppose. I was gonna say, like, you know, tracking the size of every download and just being like, you know, you've downloaded seven gigs this month from Forgebox. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you'd do with it, but stats are sometimes just cool for being stats, you know? I love stats. Inputs uh number six on my strength finders. All right. So if I look at my artifacts folder. Let's see. It is some size. I don't know. I don't know how to get the size of something. Because <laughs> you're on a Mac. <laughs> I mean, it should be just a Unix command, but uh, I don't remember uh, it. Uh, on, on Windows, <laughs> just right-click and hit properties, and you wait for like three years while Windows recurses uh, I mean, for I everything. Can, to... I can do that, too. I'm just in the terminal, so I didn't want to figure all that out. It I is... only have... Oh, what do nope. you got? Nope. I only have four gigs in my artifacts, but I recently cleared a bunch of it testing our new artifacts prune command, which will prune old artifacts. So I don't know what I had before then. 
Uh, 3.89 gigs. Ooh, I got your beat. I mean, I bet a lot of those are just uh, Adobe and Lucy versions, but that's okay. <laughs> Probably. Well, because what's, what's fun about that is the latest version of Command Box will touch a file every time you install it, you know, and it doesn't have to re-download it. It updates the last modified bit, and that's how the Artifacts Prune command works now in Command Box, which I think may still only be in the Bleeding Edge, uh, where you can just delete all the files where the last modified date means it hasn't been touched, which is kind of cool. Uh, Dan Card asked... Uh, with a recommended Patreon level according to usage, I'm not sure what that means. Are you are you talking about um, people's uh, artifact usage in Forgebox? Or oh, maybe he's saying if people use Forgebox a bunch, we could be like, "Hi there, we see you download eight terabytes a year from Forgebox. <laughs> you want to pay for an account? <laughs> uh, you are good. our target audience. Idea. There you go. <laughs> Don't tell Luis; he'll want to do it." <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into some news and announcements. We have. So, oh, go ahead. No, that's fine. I was just going to read it. Uh, the in case you missed it um, from last week, the authentication bypass vulnerability in Mura CMS and Masa CMS, which is the uh, open source fork of Mura, which used to be open source. Uh, there is a pull preliminary security advisory, which doesn't tell you. Uh, what the actual hack is, but basically an authentication bypass generally means that you can access some uh, portion of the you know administrative screens without actually being logged in. So uh, if you are on Mura or Masa, you want to update. Um, I believe the patch is available and there is a deadline. Uh, I think there was a month out from the initial report of when the uh, details will be published. Now, that said, I very strongly, I was talking about this earlier in Slack, I very strongly dislike when security research researchers uh, put out the the hack details, which is basically a guide to hackers on how to exploit all the unpatched servers. I know it's incredibly common in the InfoSec community. And I'm not necessarily targeting, uh, uh, I believe, Brian, who reported this. Just in general, when InfoSec people do it, I really hate it. Because I, I think that it adds, it gives much more value to the hackers than it ever does just legitimate sysadmins who may be late on, on patching. And I know, but that's how you get street cred in the InfoSec community is you, you know, you publish all the exploits you found. And I know that, you know, people say, well, it helps encourage people to patch and stuff. But I really, really hate it when, when um, people release the, basically the, here's how you go hack all these people guide a, a month after the patch. Uh, and unfortunately, that is exactly what's happening in this case. So if you do not patch your Mura or your Masa installations, the guide to hack you will be on the internet in a few weeks. So uh, get your button gear. <laughs> uh, let's see, is the deadline on this uh, blog March post? 6th. March 6th. So you have about three weeks to patch. And then instructions will be provided to everyone who wants to take advantage of you. And <laughs> no one will feel sorry for you. I mean, I will, but the people who release it will not feel sorry for you. But that's important. Yeah. Um, there's been a series of um, of vulnerabilities found in Mira, and I'm not saying that to imply that Mira isn't secure. I'm saying that I'm, I'm pretty certain the reason is people have been hiring um, InfoSec people to look at their software and say, hey, you know, dig through this, use a fine-tooth comb, find anything you can find. Um, I know that's how um, the some several of the most recent uh, Lucy vulnerabilities were found. 
uh, was by, you know, companies who large enough companies with a security budget who deployed, you know, Lucy and they paid someone and said, Hey, come, you know, look over every square inch of this and tell us, you know, any problems you find. And, um, the vulnerabilities are found when that happens, uh, which is overall a good thing. So, um, it helps everybody. Uh, I don't know, you know, who it was who basically, you know, went out and paid for, you know, Mira to have such a, uh, a magnifying glass put to it but it's kind of cool that it helps you know strengthen these things because at least it was uh reported in a in a um what's the word responsible disclosure i believe is the phrase meaning that you know they were given a chance to patch it and everyone's given a chance to update as opposed to you know just pure black hat hackers that are just spread the information on the dark web is dark web does that mean when you're using the dark mode in chrome is that what that means <laughs> Uh, I don't believe so. <laughs> Otherwise, oh, all it. developers are on the dark web. Uh, <laughs> or I should say most. But yeah. So we'll keep bringing this one up just in case you are you turn to some weeks and not others of the podcast. Uh, so that you can make sure that your Mira and Masa CMS installations are updated to avoid this vulnerability. Um, also something we're going to be harping the next few weeks is the State of the CF Union survey Woo-hoo! for 2023. So this is very helpful to anybody who creates uh, libraries, who support CFML to know uh, what versions we're running. Um, I'm always curious how many old versions of Cold Fusion are still in use, you know, who's still <laughs> using Cold Fusion 8. That's one of the most interesting 8. ones, yeah. Um, uh, I know we at Ordis use it to know when we can drop support for old versions or where we should be focusing our time. So... Lots of great information in that. We will p- post that in the chat in the show notes. Please take the time to fill it out. It really helps anybody working in uh, the CFML tooling and library communities. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of the people that actually pays attention to Cold Fusion social media. So you need to send this to all of your coworkers and friends and people that you know that probably don't pay any attention to Twitter and Facebook and CFML Slack. Uh, because those are the people we also want to hear from. So, and after you're done filling it out, please send it to everyone you know, so we get as many responses as possible. Usually, we get about four to five hundred uh, responses. It kind of varies per year, but the more uh, the more responses we get, the the better the statistics are. That's right. That's how statistics work. <laughs> <laughs> Sample size. You know, one place you won't need to share it, but you can come look at it is on the Coldbox Developer Group on LinkedIn. We're uh, pushing to get more people up there. We are posting our blog posts over there so you can get news about latest releases and other announcements from Ortis. So the Coldbox developer group on LinkedIn, we'll put that link in the chat in the show notes. Come join us over there. Uh, funny thing, when we this push started at Ortis, I finally logged into LinkedIn since I think my senior year of college. And uh, <laughs> that's a funny place. I am endorsed for skills that I have never done in my life. Um, and also had like a college professor endorse me for CFML. I didn't touch CFML in college. It wasn't until like a year after. So not oh, sure no. where that came from, but thank you. Thank you for endorsing me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't really do much on LinkedIn. Um, you know, every time I go there, the little like notifications bar and the private messages thing, I'm just, I'm going to have to have like, thousands of like unread stuff and, and it, it gets spam all the time you know mm-hmm. 
Hi, Brad. I'm a recruiter looking for positive people to join a forward thinking. Okay, whatever. Just <laughs> I, I was very surprised that that like within five minutes of logging in, I had it wasn't a sponsored post. It was like a sponsored direct message from like a college. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about this. <laughs> so what always creeps me out a little bit about LinkedIn is it would tell someone if you just viewed their profile. You know, like right. you would get a message and be like, Brad Wood, Eric Peterson viewed your profile today. I'm like, that's creepy. Like, and sometimes if I'm just kind of Googling someone and I see a LinkedIn result come up in Google, I'm like, I don't want to click on that. I don't want LinkedIn being like, oh, oh Brad, Brad was looking at your profile. I'm like, no, dude, get out of here, LinkedIn. Uh, You're a little creepy, man. It's true. Doing the incognito tab. <laughs> All righty. Uh, well, another announcement, CF Summit in East. Let me try that again. CF Summit East was announced. It will be on Thursday, April 6th in Washington, D.C. at the Marriott Marquis. I believe that was where the last CF objective was, if I'm uh, remembering which, which this one? right. The last one. <laughs> Marriott Marquis. They were in the press building. Oh, maybe like that, was the, press maybe that was the hotel that they but it, yeah, it had like it. a it had like a connected hotel. That name does sound familiar. So yeah. I'm really excited to see this stuff come back up. You know, during COVID, Adobe just kind of quit all the events, which is understandable. And so far, you know, Vegas had came back, and I wasn't sure if they would get all the momentum back. And um, they're they're moving on with Summit East, and I I think eventually they they hope to you know look at redoing the Summit India as well. So we'll see what happens, but. It's very good to see them not lose uh, the momentum on that. Absolutely. So this is a one-day event in DC from eight to four. Uh, we will put the we have put the link in the show notes and in the chat. Um, I am trying to find real quick if this costs anything. I don't see anything about a cost. So if you're in the area, they even will give you free uh, complimentary breakfast and lunch. So, uh, I mean, free conference, Dang. free food. You just have to get there. So don't even need a hotel stay if you are close enough. Sounds like a good deal. So I know Luis is looking at doing some doing some sort of training around the same time, I think. I don't know if we've actually announced that or if that's still secret information. But I know we've been talking about getting uh, getting something with Ordis going because um, Yeah, because this is happening at the same time as Dev Nexus, and Luis is going to try to be in DC for it. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see what comes out in that uh, that regard. Sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at the map. I'm pretty sure this was the same one. Could be wrong, but um, I'm going to stake at least some street cred on it. Same one as the last safe <laughs> objective. So I won't. I won't bite you on it. All right. Um, so a lot of you may have noticed that we have a new CFML Slack invite uh, app, if you will, server, because the Heroku free tier that we're using is no longer. It shuts off. It doesn't let you do all the fun free stuff it used to. So uh, if you go to CFML-slack.net, you can sign up for an account and you can share that with anybody that needs to come join us on the CFML Slack we're also working one for our Ordis box team as well. 
And if Slack isn't your uh, cup of tea, the Ordis Community Forum now has chat thanks to a discourse update. Want to tell us a bit more about that, Brad? I can. I'm sitting here Googling, zooming into Google Maps, trying to uh, see where in Washington, D.C. the uh, thing is. Um, yeah, so I was going to try to type up a blog post about this, um, and I just haven't had the time. But we use for our community.ordersolutions.com, which is our kind of general support community that replaced all of our Google groups and has all of the Google group content imported into it and users. Um, it is a discourse forum, which is a, it's a Ruby on Rails app, but it's something that worked out of the box. It has a zillion and one features. It's super configurable. It has regular updates. And um, they recently released a, the ability to have a chat baked into the website you can enable. So we've enabled it on there, uh, updated the software, and we're playing around with it. It's pretty cool. Um, it adds a little chat icon at the top of the page. I don't know if you want to try to share your screen and show it or not. Um, adds a little chat icon at the top of the page, and you can get a little pop-up chat window on the bottom, or you can kind of like full screen it. You can have channels, you can have DMs, you can tag people, you can upload files, uh, you can share files. There's all sorts of uh, of settings on how it works. Um, you can also enable uh, push notifications if you have the browser window open, um, which you have to do inside of your user settings. So you have to enable notifications. Um, but uh, it's not quite like a, a complete replacement of Slack because it's not like its own dedicated app that's like always running on your computer. So if you don't have the website up, you wouldn't necessarily know if there's been messages. Um, but anyway, uh, feel free to go over to community.ordersolutions.com and click on that little chat icon, and you can play around, um, ping some people, talk in the in the general channel, um, and uh, just give us another another place for the community to get together and have some of those kind of stream of conscious conversations that don't always work well in. Um, you know, a mailing list or a bug tracker. We just want to kind of go back and forth with somebody. Um, but uh, it's just it's all baked into the community site. And uh, right now it retains messages for 90 days, but we do have the ability to make that be as long as we want. So if people use it, we'll, we'll try to focus on it some more. But go, go, go play with it if you want to. Awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, being able to take part of a conversation and just make a topic from it. Because I know that's, Usually what I want from Slack is there's some conversation and it's like, ah, I just need to. You can do that in Slack now, this. but you Ooh. can only tie it to one. Only one Slack team can be tied to one discourse forum, if I recall. Oh, got it. It's limited. Um, because I had the integration set up in our internal um, CoolFusion Slack, but I think it's like a one-to-one -one ratio. You can just have one discourse tied to one Slack. So it significantly limits the usefulness of it true all right uh let's move on to some new releases and updates um so apologies if this wasn't talked to, if this was talked about last week i didn't see it though uh but qb9 has been released 9.0 which Ooh. is crazy to think about in fact i wrote a whole blog post about it and we'll go over that in the blog post section but to go over some of the changes there was a, a few breaking changes having to do with dropping support for older versions of Cold Fusion and some defaults that have been changed to be uh, more performant or uh, not mess you up as much, especially with dates. <laughs> uh, so you can go check that out now. Some of the cool new features were a entire SQLite grammar added by Jason Steinhauer. 
and something called SQL commenter support, which is a specification by Google. Um, actually, it made me think of like what Ben Nadal does, where he puts like a comment in saying where this query is executed, um, but mm-hmm. on steroids, uh, because it runs per request. It can collect any sort of data that you want. You can register your own components. You can put in the current handler executing, the action, the current user logged in if there is one, things like that. And it will append it as a comment to the end of the SQL statement. Um, and being a specification that Google has, there's tools out there that can consume that and then tell you things about your queries. Like, hey, you had a slow query and here is all the information we know about how it got executed. So pretty awesome stuff. Um, yeah, That's it was cool. a really great release. Thanks to everybody who contributed. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more later because I kind of wax nostalgic about nine major releases of <laughs> QB. All right. And then in case you missed it, CB Security 3 was also released. Another uh, major version. So you can go and check out all the new documentation at uh, cbsecurity.ordisbooks. Sorry, coldbox-security.ordisbooks.com. Though we should probably have a CB Security redirect. <laughs> so this will go over uh, all the new features. New CSFR, CSRF protection settings, security headers like uh, HTTP strict transport security, cross-site mitigations, and firewall logs. There's a lot going on there. You can go ahead and check that out in the show notes or on the Order Solutions blog. All right, let's talk about webinars, meetups, and workshops. The first thing we want to bring up is our Ordis calendar for uh, on Google, showing you all the fun Ordis Fridays that are coming up. We have our February webinar that is this Friday with the one and only Luis Mahano going over all the great new stuff in CB Security 3. So keep an eye on that uh, and on our website for the time. Uh, usually it is 11 central. Not sure how that changes with Luis being on Spain time, Spanish time. How do you say that? <laughs> um, across the pond time. Across the pond. Western European time. <laughs> and that'll so, only be like, I don't know, four or five in the evening for him probably. So I know he's 10 hours from me. So 10 to 6 p.m. Oh, eight hours from me. I can't do math. Let me just Google time in Spain. It's (laughs) 7.24 p.m. there right now. And we're an hour and a half after the webinar would have started. So that would be 6 p.m. his time. There you go. In any case, it's going to be awesome. Come learn all about CB Security 3 and see the cool new features that have been added. Um, CFCast has some new content, Brad. You want to talk to us about that one? Yarp. So we have uh, more of the 2023 ForgeBox Module of the Week series, um, which is derived from the content we have here on the podcast. <clears throat> uh, we have um, also our 2023 VS Code Int Tip and Trick of the Week series as well that we cover here on the podcast. 
and um those are our recent releases and then coming soon we have uh the command box screencast series that i recorded recently those are all scheduled i don't i forget what day they're actually going to start coming out gavin uh worked on getting the schedules in for all of that but i have Tomorrow. 20 oh yes i have 27 screencasts that i recorded um on command box uh, which I, it had been a long time since I'd made screencasts, so I finally got around to it. I had a huge list. So some sneak peeks of some of the, the screencasts coming to CFcast are uh, using environment variables to override config settings and server settings, um, how to set the case sensitivity of your web server, um, server profiles, task runner lifecycle events, I have three videos on mod CFML. I show how to do it with IIS, how to do it with Apache, how to do it with Nginx, um, a bunch of security client cert auth examples, um, and much more. So that's all coming in the, um, in the command box screencast series, which will arrive in CFcast first. Uh, we also have um, a CB wire series from Grant, which is coming. Um, I, is his poll still open that he had asking? What people wanted uh it is not anymore okay so there were 22 total votes and 13 voters and it looks like the twitter clone was the clear winner with 84 percent of the votes so that's pretty cool i don't know what the uh the time frame is on that but that'll be coming soon we have apparently a cool box elixir uh series from eric did you know about that is that, is that news oh i you? did yes I've oh, been working good, on that. good 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 oh awesome and uh, getting started with Content Box CMS from Daniel. Lots so of lots of stuff coming on CFcast. Jinx. <laughs> all right. Uh, if you want to see when all those Command Box 5 videos are coming, we have put the link in the show notes and in the chat. Or you can go to the CFcast.com browse page, and you will see these lovely icons showing you all of the upcoming and when they're coming. These are all free videos coming to Command Box, so you do not need to be a paid subscriber to see all these great Command Box screencasts. Question, Eric. Does the CFcast site have the ability to like notify someone when something goes live? Can they say, like, you know, notify me? Uh, not at the moment. That could be a cool feature. I was just thinking, like, on YouTube, if I go to like a future stream URL, there's a button that'll be like notify me when it goes live. It'd yeah. be kind of cool. That way, if someone's really interested in a video, they could have it, you know. Subscribe and, and smash that bell. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you, have to you have to smash it. That's the verb of choice nowadays. Yep. Uh, no, not yet, but that is on our, in our backlog. So cool. Hopefully soon. All right. Let's talk about some conferences. The next closest conference, it looks like, is GitHub Galaxy. This is least, the Enterprise uh, GitHub conference. Do they so, steal that name from us? I don't think Galaxy has a trademark on anything. <laughs> nobody owns, no, so nobody owns think the we, trademark for I, Galaxy. <laughs> I don't think we trademarked it, but we did uh, have the Ortis Galaxy uh, that we used for a few years with Into the Box. It was kind of That's our true. theme. So... Um, I, I'm not exactly sure what to expect from the GitHub Galaxy event. It definitely is focused on enterprise, improving efficiency, security, and developer productivity. Um, it looks to when be I free, hear global so. enterprise, I hear how we're going to monetize this baby. That's what I hear. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. 
They're like, so. there's people out there and you have money and we know it. And you're going to pay us is what you're going to do. <laughs> um, but it's worth keeping an eye on because all of us use GitHub in some way or form, I believe. So they really don't have any information on their site. Just it starts in 41 days and here's an ICS file added to your calendar. That's kind of it. Yep. After that, we have Dev Nexus, <clears throat> April 4th through 6th. Nexus. Unfortunately, we don't have any Ordis people speaking there this year, but it's still a conference that we enjoy. They did that not is, accept our topics. They did not this year. It so is I'm an... pretty... Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm pretty certain uh, Mark Takata from Adobe is planning on um, trying to pop in there. Uh, he was asking me about it the other day. Um, it looks like John Clausen and myself from Ordis will probably be going. And Charlie Earhart also uh, had a talk uh, accepted um, about updating Java at DevNexus. So he'll be speaking. So awesome. Anyway, there'll be a handful of people. Usually Ray Camden is there one way or another, whatever company he's working for at the time. Usually he'll get sent. And it's not uncommon to run into. Um, previous cold fusion guys there now working in other places uh you know the work couch base peter bell was there once um never name that i'm totally forgetting off the top of my head but yeah it's a it's a pretty fun place to be so if uh, you're looking for a tech conference in the java space uh there's definitely people you can meet up with if you're near atlanta unless um, you're going to cf summit east in which case that's you have right to pick one because the overlap <laughs> <laughs> they they do see if something east is on the last day of Dev Nexus, and not very close. I mean, Atlanta DC, it's a few hour plane ride. If you wanted to try to do both, sounds crazy. If to you me. if you have a private jet, you can pull them on. <laughs> um, we've covered see if something east. That is April six eight to four. It looks to be a free event in Washington DC. Looking forward to that one. Vue.js Live is coming up May 12th and 15th, both online and in London. They claim 10,000 plus joining online globally, which is interesting, but also, like but also if you're just joining online, it's not like you're meeting them or doing anything with them. Anyways, <laughs> 35 speakers, 10 workshops. You can go ahead and check it out at Vue.js and then we get to the good stuff. Into the box. Into the box. The 10th edition. We have been doing some work um, selecting the talks, getting some of the, getting the website updated to give you a sneak peek, <laughs> sending out a few of the um, speaker acceptance letters. Not all of them. So if you put in a topic and you haven't got one yet, don't worry. We're still in the process there. So, but. Sessions will be announced soon on the Into the Box website, intothebox.org. We are so very excited for this. May 17th through 19th in Houston. And the registrations are open um, to attend. You can come register right now. I'm actually I'm looking to see how many registrations we already have. Looks like we've already sold seven tickets. Um, so people are already signing up to get their space in line and these are like real tickets as well not just like internal you know or just people these are actual humans <laughs> signing up for workshops and conferences we called it the early bird i'm trying to remember what um 
there was a Vue.js conference that had like a term for this, like buying blind before you knew the, yeah. the speakers. I wish we Gavin would have used knows that. What it is. <laughs> so, because that's the price you're getting right now. You don't know the speakers. You just are you're getting a discount for having faith that we're putting on a good conference. So, speakers will be announced soon, though, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. We're very excited. All right, a couple more after that. We have View Conf US. This is in New Orleans, May 24th through 26th. The week after Into the Box. So if you have to pick one, we know that you're picking Into the Box. It's fine. You know, View can <laughs> just take a back seat. It's all good. Um, that includes a workshop day and the main conference, two days of the main conference. Check them out at viewconf.us. And, and then finally, CF Camp is back is. in Munich, Germany. Well, Freising is where the hotel is, but you fly into Munich on. Uh, but yes, super excited about that. It has not happened since COVID. And I mentioned I, I'm having to choose this year between CF Camp and an actual like outdoor camp that I usually help out with because they are scheduled at the same time. Ah. It's a good, good chance I'm going to go with CF Camp, but I need to make up my mind on that soon because the call for speakers is open for another month uh i believe march like 15th i think is the deadline for that um and uh definitely looking forward to going back and i'll probably go with a with a family member or two just since that's it's like if i'm if i'm going all the way over there you know stay a couple days do some sightseeing have your wife come along or something it's usually works out but kind of figure that all out but i'm super excited to have cf camp back and i hope that it's a uh a successful year i know it can be hard to get you know momentum back up when you've been off for a few years um but hopefully it'll be uh it'll be a really big year because it is a, a fantastic conference it really is i only got to go once and i've been itching to go back <clears throat> i do wish it was uh cheaper on the airfare yeah uh, that's was... that's the worst part so for Luis. <laughs> He said it cost him like 50 bucks to travel. It's, like, it's nothing because <laughs> he's, he's right next door. Um, oh, man. But yeah. the the hotel they're at, that um, uh, Marriott Hotel, it's funny. It's, it's called the, the the hotel name is Marriott Hotel uh, Munich Airport, um, even though it's like 15 minutes from the airport. Um, it's like in a, you know the next city over, but it's like basically within driving distance. Um, the hotel is a really nice hotel, and I love the fact that they have a really good restaurant and a bar that stays open like super late. So there's a real nice place to hang out and get food and drinks and, you know, lattes and stuff in the coffee bar that they have there. Um, and just like hang out and talk to people. It's a really great uh, place. It kind of sucks when you're at a conference and there's nowhere like to go hang out with anybody, um, yeah. you know, at night. Yeah. So that's a great conference. If you can make it there, definitely uh, reserve those dates, June 22nd, 23rd in Munich. And if we didn't give you enough, comps.tech, they got you covered. You can go check out any other conferences to your heart's delight. Sticking with the Valentine's Day theme. All right, let's talk about some blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So we continue <clears throat> our Ben Nadell dive into Turbo and Stimulus. This is the framework from Basecamp to kind of augment a traditional server rendered application with some nice 
single page application features. Um, we will give you the links to these. We're not going to dive too much into it here, mostly because uh, Brad and I are not in this world a lot. Um, we need to get <laughs> someone like Grant on here to talk to you more about this world, um, as Grant does a lot of this with CB Wire. So the yeah. two articles this week, we have exploring the turbo drive back button caching behavior. Um, so this sounds like it's hijacking that back button and doing its own different um, routing for you with Hotwire. And then the second one was using Stimulus to preload links on Hover and Hotwire and Lucy. So Stimulus is the JavaScript uh, framework, I guess, that goes along with Hotwire and making it so that when you hover a link, it will preload it so it's a faster navigation which I thought we could just do with like the preload attribute, but uh shows that I have not read this article closely. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, the back button functionality is always important. Anytime, you know, you have the, the single page app kind of, I don't, I don't even know if SPA is the right phrase, but you know, you click on the page, something updates and you're like, Oh, I want to go back to the previous thing. And so it's annoying when you hit the back button and then like it just completely navigates away from the page. And you're like, well, I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to go back to the previous view I was on. So handling that uh, is definitely a win for the user experience. Yeah. I know that, I mean, it's been a while, but JavaScript added an entire history API to be able to manage that. So now in a single page mm -hmm. application, you can pop something onto the history and it actually influences the back and forward buttons. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is using the same kind of behavior. And maybe the caching part is you can tell it what parts to keep and what parts to ignore. So um, again, if you are interested in these experiments that Ben is doing, we also would <laughs> push you towards um, CB Wire, or maybe not push you towards, but say check it out. It's a very similar technology stack but made using uh livewire and alpine js which i find alpine to be uh a lot simpler than stimulus uh personally and if you instead prefer to write your views in javascript and take advantage of like view or react that way uh cb inertia is a project that i made a while ago it's still kicking so um all those projects will help kind of give you a more snappy single page app feel to your application just a little bit different ways on uh, how you write it some more cfml some a little bit yeah. more javascript and both uh inertia and cb wire have been around for a little while uh, inertia more so cb wire has what 23 releases it's a version 226 so there's a lot of development that's gone into that so lots of options uh out there that you may not be aware of if like you said you're interested in those sort of things yeah uh, rounding up the Ben Nadell blog post, he talked about extending the current request timeout in CFML. Uh, this was specifically, he wanted a way to say, it, when you reach this point in the code, add X seconds to the request timeout, which is not how the CF setting tag works. The CF setting no. tag is, this is now the time. <laughs> um, so right, you you're through, just updating the total, basically. Right. So... If you set it to five twice, it's just five. Um, <laughs> so he goes through some kind of workarounds that could work. One was Adobe specific and would also require that like security set 
setting that says you can touch cold fusion java classes oh my gosh yeah as um, soon as you as soon as you do that all the people on shared hosting are like oh it doesn't work <laughs> yep there's also some things you can do with get page context to get the current request timeout and then do math and set it to something longer so um if that is what you need where you need to be able to add time to the current request context there are some workarounds that he has here for you I haven't um, actually read this. Is he doing something to figure out how long the page has been running? Or is he just setting something in like the request scope when the request starts and just doing some math to figure out how much longer he needs? He gets the current um, start time, figures out how many seconds that was, figures out how many seconds you want to increase it, and then makes that the current request timeout. So it's probably probably pretty self-contained. I mean, I figure you'd probably also just toss get tick count into your request scope variable on request start, and then you could just without touching the cold fusion classes, you could get the same information. All right. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I saw him talking about this somewhere. I think it was on the Lucy forums. I didn't really read all of it, but he was um he was uh digging into the into the page context, which don't have the same methods between Adobe Confusion and Lucy server. Uh, it's kind of interesting that, you know, CFML in general and Adobe and Lucy both advertised, we have a function called get page context and it'll get you a thing, which is a context of the page. But the, you know, the, the objects you get back aren't necessarily the same and don't necessarily have the same methods. You, right. you quickly wind up in the weeds of undocumented stuff. Um, yep. Um, I put in a little related ticket for Coldbox that was put in a few, maybe a few weeks ago by Gavin uh, regarding uh, request timeouts. We had noticed that on some of our tests, we'd all of a sudden start running into timeout issues. Uh, mm -hmm. If you've ever dug into the test box runner files, usually <laughs> at the very top, we set the request timeout to, you know, like, Five nine 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 nine. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. run forever because the test can take a while. Uh, but if you're running an integration test and at the top of your handler you have set request timeout to sixty, you know, because this is a long running action, that will overwrite all the test timeouts, right? Because it's all one request. Um, yep. So there's a proposal to add a cold box function for set request timeout that in you know, a production environment would just call the CF setting as we've been showing. But then in a testing environment, you can mock that to do nothing because <laughs> you don't yeah. actually want it to change. So um, cool hopefully idea. that gets into Coldbox 7. I haven't even checked the status of this. It is resolved. So it's probably in Coldbox 7 if we go look at it there. It'd be interesting if the CF engines allowed a way to tie into that kind of stuff, but I don't know if that would be overall good or bad. I remember uh, Sean Corfield talking once about how Ruby as a language had a whole bunch of like, I don't know if meta programming was the phrase he used, but the ability to basically tap into those core, you know, classes and like override how they worked. Because um, he was saying he didn't actually really like it because people had the ability to do like crazy stuff to the engine, which could be like really unexpected. And, you know, then the runtime wouldn't work like you thought. But anyway. Yeah, it's it's similar to how in JavaScript you can open up the prototype for like array and redefine methods. You can do the right. same thing in Ruby where you can open up and extend one of the built-in objects and make it do whatever you want, which can be nice. But also when people start to rely on that. <laughs> um, so that and what would be interesting 
is if you could because like lucy will let you declare like tags um and you know that doesn't have to be like the cf underscore type of tag but like you know cf brad without the underscore you know uh you can do that what would be interesting is if you could do that at runtime you know during the course of the request if test box could just redeclare this the cf setting tag right you know and then all code from then on would actually call that tag um I mean, it'd be a similar way, but again, I mean, it's always kind of off in the weeds because that could go south, uh, depending on what kind of crazy janky stuff you do <laughs> inside of it. But anyway, yeah, um, I can confirm in here on my screen in Coldbox Seven, the bleeding edge right now. There is a set request timeout method on the request context, so you can use that. It will call the CF setting command in. Um, normal use case but in our mock request context which is used in testing it just stores it away for you in case you want to check it later in case you want your test to say hey did you actually set the request context timeout to what i said you so. you might want to make an assertion uh about that if that was part of what the code needed to do yeah so awesome stuff good job uh gavin and luis on that coming to a cold box near you as Dan Card said in the chat, with great power comes great ability to really screw things up. <laughs> Very true. I mean, to, uh, did a side note, but that's why, um, if I'm remembering right, we have array flat in JavaScript instead of array flatten because, because... Moo Tools mm, um, yeah. did the whole prototype in like uh, extending. Yep. But they did it in a way that is not how they wanted to do it for the official, you know, ECMAScript, and so they had to choose a different name because it, it would break, just all break everything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good times. Alrighty, and so Lucy we, had a release. They did. That where we're at? Yeah, yeah. So Zach Spitzer uh, put this out. So there's already been a Lucy five three ten release. This is just another stable release with some patch updates. Basically, there were a few regressions and issues with the initial 5.3.10 release. So Lucy has put out 5.3.10.120. So um, I don't know if the recommendation is that everybody upgrade or only people having issues. Um, But there's a handful of bug fixes in there, nothing major. I know there is at least another 5.3.10 release coming um, soon. Um, I don't know what soon means because... I always hear it, it's like, quote, a week away, end quote, like a month later it happens. Um, but I know there's some some larger stuff they wanted to put in, but they wanted to get out these little bug fixes, which, kudos to Lucy, I think that's super important to keep the current release stable and get those regressions fixed right away because when you break stuff on a release, people get to the point where they stop upgrading because they don't have time to deal with it. So <laughs> um, if you need these bug fixes, they are now... Uh, released and like i said there will be another release coming somewhat soon i believe as well with some larger items awesome all right and rounding it up i mentioned i was going to come back to the qb9 blog post um as i was writing you know just the updates i I was like wow how did i get to nine releases and so here's some fun facts for you about the qb project that you may not have known about (laughs) Uh, it started april 11th 2016 uh, that was before I ever joined Ortis. And back then, it was actually named Quick, <laughs> which is now the name of our uh, CFML ORM. Um, I changed it eight months later when I realized I probably want to use Quick for the ORM, and this is just something else. Um, 
I originally made it because I was tired of writing pagination queries for Oracle. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, for those of you that have never had the privilege of working with older versions of Oracle, there is no limit. There is no offset. There is no top. You have to row number, isn't it? You have to use row num and then wrap it in a subquery and mm-hmm. and do that. Good. And it was Good disgusting. Times. And so that was actually <laughs> the reason I, I started writing QP. Uh, um, so first two versions over the first two years, then I started working for Ortis. The next seven have been under the sponsorship of Ortis. And it's uh, spun off lots of cool stuff. We have schema builder and CF migrations and command box migrations to make database changes to see development data. Um, along the way, there was lots of contributions, which was awesome. Um, but I I felt like I wasn't keeping up with enough being at like a computer, downloading the code and running like box bump patch or, or minor or major to get mm-hmm. some of these fixes out. So I... What do, what do all developers do? I, I shave the yak and Automated I, make it. A, I make a man box semantic <laughs> release so I could just change the commit message, merge it on my phone, and all of a sudden a new release was out. So I use that all over the place. A few other Ordis people do too. It's also inspired some other Ordis build projects. So awesome stuff there. Um, speaking of pagination, our paginator wrapper, CB Paginator, was um, heavily inspired by it. We made sure that they all work together. There's locking helpers we added to QB so that it could be used as a driver for our queues in CBQ. And of course, quick, our ORM is built entirely on top of QB. So like tons of stuff came out of this. It's been a crazy seven years and uh, very grateful for Ordis for believing in in QB. I still remember presenting this at, I think, into the box 20, whew, 2015 or 2016 over in... Um, Minnesota, when it was believe before, that many so years. Dev objective, yeah. So crazy stuff. Thanks everybody for, who has contributed or used the library, and uh, looking forward to the next, you know, seven years of releases. Maybe not so many major releases, but who knows? We'll see. <laughs> it's just a number. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I'd like to see more people uh, just check out. Um, you know, QB and, and quick. I know a lot of people are, including myself, you know, are really comfortable with just writing stuff in SQL. And uh, there's definitely a lot of, uh, of ORM naysayers in general, because traditionally ORM is, is sucked in a lot of ways. And just philosophically, ORM can have a lot of problems. So um, it never really caught on the cold fusion community nearly like it did in like the Ruby world or the groovy world where everybody kind of uses it. Um, I think it has a lot of lot to offer when you're keenly aware of what it does and what it doesn't do, you know, and, and where the good boundaries are. Um, so I definitely like to see more people um, dig into uh, to quick or even just QB, just the query builder stuff. Um, yeah, it can, uh, it can be pretty useful for what it does. Well, obviously, I'm a fan of quick, but I think um, QB is is very foundational and really can be in put into any workflow. Um, when Luis actually tweeted about this article, it just said like QB to him is one of the best libraries for cold fusion. And, mm-hmm. and really like if you're doing any SQL concatenation, like this is a tool for you. It can work without any framework. Like you don't have to dive into the whole ORM thing to get the benefits that QB gives you. So. 
Yeah, because you're not giving up control over the domain model. You're not having yeah. being forced to deal with objects. But if you're doing those like, you know, highly dynamic SQL queries, it could really improve the readability. But you're still getting a query at the end of the day, just like you used to do, or an array of structs if you want. Um, yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't enforce any large changes to your overall application. I still remember uh, CF casts. I, I started writing it with uh, with Postgres as the back end because I wanted to learn Postgres. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I convinced uh, Luis to take take it over as an orders project, he said, well, we're MySQL. That's the database <laughs> I have. I'm not doing Postgres. And I changed one line in my config and I think one query somewhere where I had like a raw statement and it worked all on MySQL. And I was like, OK, because it was using QB. Because it was using QB. Yep. <laughs> so there's lots yeah. of benefits. All righty, enough waxing nostalgic. Thanks for letting me do that. Let's talk about some jobs. There are two new jobs this week on getcfmljobs.com, bringing the total to 50 ColdFusion positions. We have a full-time ColdFusion developer at Columbia, Maryland in the U.S. MD, yeah. And a ColdFusion developer at Hyderabad, Telangana, India. So check out getcfmljobs for that. If you're looking for other jobs, you can check out the jobs channel in both the CFML Slack team and the Box Team Slack team or on Order Solutions website in our About Us section. So the first one requires experience in Cold Fusion 8 or higher. I sure as heck hope they're not still using Cold Fusion 8. <laughs> well, <laughs> if that's listed. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Your first job that's... at that company will be get us off Cold Fusion 8. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Forgebox and VS Code modules. Uh, Forgebox, I am shamelessly bringing back one of my favorites, which was CB Inertia. All this talk about stimulus and Hotwire and CB Wire made me want to plug my own thing. So uh, CB Inertia is, what if you could have a single-page application without writing an API? Where all your models, your handlers, your validation, your routing, all of that stayed in CFML but you could write all your views in your favorite front-end JavaScript language like Vue or React or Svelte to get all of the nice um, front-end interactivity that you want. Well, that's what CB Inertia does. It is both a library and a way to integrate with the Inertia JS library. So you can hook those together. CFCast is built entirely on this. It feels like a single-page application, but uh, I don't have an API anywhere. I don't make API requests anywhere. I get to interact with it just like I would any other CFML application. And all my views are JavaScript files, are view files. So if that interests you, that's CB Inertia. If you'd rather have all that stuff in CFML and leave out as much JavaScript as possible, that's when you're going to want to go look at Hotwire or CB Wire, which do a similar thing, but stick in the CFML land. So both are good projects, but I wanted to plug mine since... I don't think there's been a release in this in forever. The JavaScript stuff keeps changing, but the server stuff is just good old boring still works. <laughs> <laughs> so are you updating the JavaScript portions of it? So the JavaScript portions, this is one of the things I love about it, are updated by the people who make Inertia because it's a it's a protocol where as long as the server responds with the right status codes and headers, it will consume it. It doesn't care what the server is running on the back end. So you can update your front end with all the cool changes they've done 
and it still works with CB okay, inertia so on the cold fusion server. If if you use CB inertia, then the onus is on you to include the right JavaScript files on your front end, and you can grab the latest version of those, basically. Yep. And you Got can it. use Vue, React, and or Svelte are the three like main supported ones. There's community adapters <laughs> for other languages as well. I shouldn't say language. I should say frameworks. It's all JavaScript. So right. Yeah. All right. And then as for the VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week, we have an extension called Code Spell Checker. So this is the idea that you want spell check in your code, but you don't want it to give you dumb false positives, like when you have camel cased words um, or HTML versions where they're all like uh, underscores or kebab cased or anything like that. So uh, this is the goal of this is to catch those common spelling errors while keeping the number of false positive lows. And you'll need to enable uh, CFML files to start. We'll have that in the show notes about how you can do that. But just looking kind of at their website, they have a, I think, a TypeScript file here. And you can see if they type first value wrong or this comment with start wrong, it's going to show those as potential typos. There's ways cool. to annoy so, each other. So of if you're doing like headless camel case, it's checking each word individually, kind of figuring out where the words start and stop inside of your variables. Exactly. It's It breaks it up, you know, nice. using the regex and... Then checks. I it like out. that. I don't know how often I've had a variable name that I typed wrong without realizing it, and then I copy and paste a lot because I'm lazy, and I wind up with that incorrectly spelled variable like all over the app, and then I feel <laughs> so stupid when I when I finally see it. <laughs> um, I need to check this out, but I will be incredibly happy if it will underline when I type arguments wrong. <laughs> yeah, and it definitely does. It's telling me that arguments is probably spelled wrong. So thank goodness. I nice. can't tell now, you how many times I've had arguments. You just created a variable <laughs> that was actually variables dot arguments dot something. So if anybody wants to see that, you know, I could do arguments dot foo or arguments. And it tells me right away, like, that's probably not what you want. Thank goodness. Because I can't tell you the number of times that I've been running tests like, why isn't this working? Oh, I can't spell arguments. You know what? So. Someone in the CFML Slack team just yesterday had an issue. They couldn't figure out what cold box beating our heads against the wall. And it turned out it's a misspelling. You know, one, yep. <laughs> one letter was out of place. Oh, that's why it didn't work. Happens to us all. Yes, it does. All right. So that is code spell checker. Remember, once you install it, you do need to enable it. There is a command for enable spell checking document language. Um, you can do it per workspace or per user. I did it per user because I want all my CFML files spell checked. So go ahead and check that one out and check that out in the show notes. We made it to the end, Brad. We did, and we took a long time considering how, how quick it normally goes when it's just the two of us. It's true. We well, I guess maybe maybe I'm the X factor that makes everything take so long. You're the quick one, and I, I keep talking. No, I, I went in wax nostalgic today about QB, <laughs> oh. and we went on tangents, and I thought it was a good mm. podcast, though. So we'll hear from our listeners if they actually enjoyed it. That's for sure. Yeah. Tangents <laughs> are the best part. <laughs> well, uh, we well, to... that brings us back to our Patreon supporters. Sorry, we keep interrupting each other. That's all good. <laughs> um, so, again, don't forget the um, Patreon supporters can be an annual membership. You save 10% when you do that over a monthly. 
We have the bronze packages and up that get a Forgebox Pro account. They get a CF Cast subscription as built-in perks. Uh, Patreon supporters get a profile badge on the community website to show how cool you are, how lovely you are. Uh, you get your own private forum access to the community website, and you get your own private channel access on the Box Team Slack. Uh, so you want me to read off our top Patreons? Our top lovely Patreons, yes. Our lovely Patreons. We no longer read everyone, just the top Patreons now. We have so many of them. So John Wilson from Synaptrix. Uh, Tomorrow's Guides Company, Jordan Clark, Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Carr, Jeffrey McGee from Sunstar Media, uh, Dean Maunder, Nolan Irk, and Abdul Rahim are our top lovely Patreons. So thank you so much to all of our Patreons, regardless of your Patreon level. Yes, you can see all of the Patreons at ordersolutions.com slash about us slash Patreons. About us slash sponsors. Oh, sponsors. Sorry, I can't read. The show notes are too small. <laughs> I blame my glasses. There's a glare in my eyes. So, thank you all for listening. Thank you all to our Patreons, our lovely Patreons. Thank you, Order Solutions. And we hope that you have a wonderful Valentine's Day. We'll catch you next week. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io. We can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.